I've discovered there is no absurdity that you can invent uh, that the liberals will not state seriously. And uh... from powerlineblog.com and produced by ricochet.com. This is the Powerline Show with your host. Steve Hayward. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Powerline Show. If you're looking for a break from the nastiness of this week and the whole current scene, this is the episode for you. That voice you heard at the beginning in the little teaser uh, quote about absurd liberalism was the late M. Stanton Evans, who passed away six years ago now. And uh, as some readers know, I'm currently driving to the finish line of a short biography of Stan, who was my first mentor right out of college 40 years ago now. And I'm having a lot of fun doing it. One of the things Stan was known for, and why this episode will be a nice distraction from what's going on right now, is he had a wicked... Uh, dry wit that only came out in person. He seldom displayed his wit in any of his writing, which was very straightforward, meat and potatoes journalism, straight to the point. Uh, and it's in person when he, his delivery, his pacing, his accent, uh, and above all, his sense of irony uh, and deadpan delivery uh, is legendary among all the conservatives who know him. Uh, and, uh, you know, his National Journalism Center, where I was an intern 40 years ago, uh, has a lot of distinguished alumni. You know many of them, like Ann Coulter is one. Uh, Greg Gutfeld at Fox News went through the program. Uh, Mark Tapscott at the Washington Examiner. Myself. John Fund uh, of National Review these days. And including a few writers who are not conservatives. You didn't have to be a conservative necessarily to be admitted to the program. But among other alumni include Terry Moran of ABC News and maybe most famously, Malcolm Gladwell of The New Yorker. Well, it turns out that there are a number of recordings of Stan in action, most of them from the Philadelphia Society. Uh, you can find a lot of uh, great clips of him on uh, YouTube. And I thought I would patch together a few of these great speeches and turn it into a podcast. So I'm going to start here, this first excerpt, with some remarks he made about immigration back in 2002 in the aftermath of 9-11. And you'll catch on fast to his style, and then I'll be back with a couple of more transitions to a couple of other of the more legendary presentations of M. Stanton Evans. I want uh, one of the things that you're accustomed to uh, uh, from uh, Joe Morris, and for me, is these really fake news stories from Washington. And I'm a little change of pace here. I'm going to share with you a real news story, uh, and I, this uh, my. Uh, determination to do this was sort of triggered by uh, Joe Baldacchino's uh, reference. Joe, as you may recall, is the head of the National Institute for the Humanities, or as we pronounce it in Indiana, Humanities. Uh, and uh, he made reference to the immigration problem, you recall that. And uh, I got to say, our immigration authorities are taking a lot of heat on this issue. and. Uh, I think we should give them a little more credit. I have here, and as uh, Gleese Whitney said today, and uh, Dave Barry frequently says, I am not making this up. 
This is the official visa application form. Uh, you can pull it down yourself off the uh, State Department website. And this is the form that our consulates in places like Riyadh and Jeddah and wherever it might be, uh, you know, anywhere in the world where, where people want to come to the United States. And, and uh, you think they're doing nothing to solve our problems, but this is one of the questions that is on this form, if I can read it here. Do you seek to enter the United States to engage in subversive or terrorist activities? But it gets better. Uh, are you a member or representative of a terrorist organization? And then it goes off in some other directions. For example, have you, did you ever participate in persecutions directed by the Nazi government of Germany? And or have you ever participated in genocide. <laughs> now, that, those are the questions that a visa applicant is asked to answer honestly. And then, but here's the best part. It says down below after all these questions, a yes answer <laughs> A yes answer does not automatically <laughs> does not automatically signify ineligibility. If I'm lying, I'm dying. This is true. But if you have answered yes to any of the above, or if you have any questions, <laughs> a personal appearance at this office is recommended. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so that is the official visa application form. These people are not asleep at the switch. So they're, they're so okay. So, so much for that. Um, and if anybody wants a copy of this, you're welcome to it. Um, you might have some friends that would like to, you know, particularly those people that were involved in genocide or whatever. So, okay, now, uh, so much for that. Um, now, one of the things everyone remembers about Stan is that he had encyclopedic knowledge of rock and roll music, and he was also a great sports fan. And there's one other thing about Stan that I think is important, is he was, uh, philosophically, one of the better fusionists, uh, you know, someone who blended the traditions of libertarianism and traditionalism, although he didn't like that term. I'll talk about that a lot in the book. Uh, but he generally observed what uh, he called the 11th commandment, which is, thou shalt not speak ill of another conservative. So you almost never saw him criticize other conservatives in print. Uh, he would make some criticisms in private. So he had a lot of differences with George Will, I know, although, as I say, he never made those publicly, although I did hear they did have once a big public argument. And so this next excerpt is Stan talking about baseball. 
And I think although George Bill goes unmentioned here, I think the real target or subtext of this uh, little bit about baseball is actually George Will. Uh, and you'll see why as we get started with Stan Evans on baseball. I have never been very good at the intellectualization of popular culture. There's a lot of people that do that kind of thing. Uh, that really hasn't been my uh, bag. Uh, I did try once to uh, write a book about the deeper significance of baseball. And uh, what I came up with, and it kind of stalled out on me, was that baseball was a metaphor for softball. And I mean, you have to kind of use your imagination, but uh, like the ball is a different size and so forth. But they're really kind of similar. And, uh, and then the other thing, this is a more Midwestern thing that I don't know if you if people from other parts of the country have this, but I also, after my years in uh, Indiana going to many state fairs and, and county fairs, uh, thought that baseball was sort of a metaphor for donkey baseball, uh, in which uh, if, you, if you're from another part of the country, people get on donkeys and run, ride around the bases on the donkeys. So you have to imagine the donkeys are not there. But uh, <laughs> if, if you did, you'll see what I'm driving at. Uh, that's about as far as I got on that, uh, that topic. You see that I'm not really that good at it. All right, let's do a couple of quick uh, original quips of stands and one set piece joke from the 70s that I think is kind of fun. And then I am going to queue up what really is the main event of this podcast. And trust me, you're going to want to stick around for the sequel to this uh, next segment. And I've always said that anybody who has his head screwed on right should be conservative when He's young, and then as he grows older, gradually become more conservative. And uh, that uh, certainly been my experience, and I hope it's yours also. At these conferences, we spend a lot of time talking about what we're for, which is okay. We have to do that. I want to talk about what we're against. Uh, unless I know what somebody is against, I'm always a little doubtful about them. A few uh, nights ago, some of us in this room attended a dinner in honor of uh, Treasury Secretary William Simon. And uh, at that dinner, a story was told about Secretary Simon and uh, former, or former Vice President and now Senator Hubert Humphrey who, according to the uh, anecdotist of the evening, had served with Secretary Simon in uh, World War II in the Army, and uh, they had been in Europe and were captured by the Germans and uh, put into Stalag 18 or whatever it was. And uh, after they'd been there a week, uh, Humphrey had been there for a week and running around and uh, dealing with the Germans, they took him to an interrogation room and seated him in a chair and. Uh, put a bright light in his eyes and said, So you are Hubert Humphrey. We have made ways to make you stop talking. <laughs> uh, 
And now we come to the main event in what I think is one of Stan's finest comic performances. In one of the earlier clips, you heard him refer to the fact that people in Indiana refer to the human itties. Turns out this is based on a true story, which he's going to tell in this clip. Uh, but I want to give you the context uh, briefly. This was uh, a dinner honoring the Richard Weaver Fellows of the Intercollegiate Studies Institute. And so you'll hear a couple of references to a Weaver along the way, if you listen carefully. And before he gets to the human itties in Indiana, uh, he also has some wonderful legendary bits about Al Sharpton on Plato and Aristotle and Lady Gaga on metaphysics. <laughs> so <laughs> sit back, relax with a nice drink. Uh, don't be too close to your keyboard. And I'll be back with uh, one more segment and some concluding comments after this segment. There are those who say that there's been a dumbing down of our popular culture. Not me, I don't say that, but that is said that, um, and uh, I responded that, uh, I've used this uh, line before, people do criticize our culture today, but it's kind of like Mark Twain's comment about Wagner's music. It's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> and if you take a look at some events occurring these days, you have to look for the subtext, the code, kind of a Straussian type approach uh, to popular culture. Uh, and so let me just take an example. We had a very fine and informative session this morning about Greek philosophy, Plato, Aristotle, and so on. It reminded me a little bit uh, recently of the comment by the Reverend Al Sharpton who I think it was the rally that was held competitive with Glenn Beck's rally, in which he said, and I think I've got this right, we don't need to learn anything from Socrates and them Greek homos. <laughs> now, that sounds very negative. <laughs> um, and yet, you have to interpret it, and what I think he was saying in his way was very Weaverian. I think what he was saying is that indeed, there is a paradigm of essences <laughs> that to which the phenomenology of the world is in continuing approximation but not strictly along the Athenian model. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, so there's that. So there. So. On Reverend Al's behalf, I thank you. Um, the next item, many people have criticized, she was mentioned last night, Lady Gaga. I'm not sure some of the more mature folk here even know who Lady Gaga is. But uh, she is quite a prominent personage uh, these days. And some people think she's frivolous and silly and so on. Uh, but I would call to your attention that about two weeks ago, at the MTV Music Video Award. And by the way, MTV doesn't run music videos anymore, so I don't know why they do this, but we need to have a Philly sock about that and what, what, what's going on there. But anyway, Lady Gaga won a whole slew of awards. And on one of these occasions, she kept changing her outfits, and on one of these occasions, she showed up in a dress made entirely of meat, Now, there are those who say that Lady Gaga did this just to attract attention. Uh, and but she's wearing a dress made entirely of meat. Think about this. And so this is some kind of statement. It's some kind of, she's making a point here. And what is the point? And I think the point is perhaps the following that the created order and all therein are placed under our dominion, albeit subject to the higher law of the creator. I mean, isn't that what she's saying? <laughs> uh, and, perhaps not. Um, why otherwise is she wearing a dress made of meat? I put it to you. So then, then we had the reference, uh, marvelous reference today about the, the legislating the value of pi. And you may recall in that discussion, it was a question whether it was the Alabama legislature or the Indiana legislature. I worked for many years covering the Indiana legislature, and I now spend a lot of time in Alabama, so I'm good either way with this. But it is a fact that this effort to legislate the value of pi was in fact done by the Indiana legislature, I'm proud to say. And it reminded me, it was, uh, just in passing, because Richard Weaver was from North Carolina, and they, they, one of the episodes of the Andy Griffith Show, and I'm sorry to see he's gone bad recently, um, was Opie comes back from school, and Andy says, what did you learn in school today, Ope? And he said, Paul, we learned pi r square. And Andy says, that's wrong, Ope. Pi r round. <laughs> Cornbread r square. And, but that's kind of a digression. I want to get back to my main point, which is 
the Indiana legislature, which I covered for 16 years. And I've told this story. I think some of the journalism center people have heard this, but I don't think I've told it here at Philly Sock. But a member of the uh, Indiana legislature got elected on an insurgent slate in 1972, running against the machine, conservative Republican from Beach Grove, which is south of Indianapolis. And he was like a tool and die maker and so forth, a good guy. But he really was not very well versed in issues. And he was so naive as to think that I was, which of course I wasn't. But he would call up almost every night about something was going to happen in the legislature. And my wife would say, it's like Vernon Wormer. I'll call him that. It's Vernon Wormer for you. And he always said, well, they're bringing this thing up and the, the bill will come up tomorrow. What do you think? So I tried to tell him what I thought. And so one night he called up. It's Vernon Wormer. He said, Stan, have you ever heard of something called the National Endowment for the Human Itties? Human itties. Human itties. Uh, humanities? Yeah, whatever. Um, I said, yeah, I've heard of it. He said, they're trying to bring it down to, to IU, to Indiana University, and the other universities. There's human itties. Humanities. He said, I don't like the sound of it. I said, I, said, I don't either. I said, yeah. federal money, we don't need it. Get it out of here. Okay, I said, well, I'm going to talk, I'm going to find out about you. It's Thursday. You've got a budget here. So I said, okay, Vernon, good luck. I said, uh, remember, humanities. So I forget this. And then Sunday, they had a, a section of the Indianapolis Star, which was the news, and sister paper. And this, they had a section there called Behind Closed Doors, which is like gossip or, you know, behind the scenes at the legislature. And Sunday morning, sitting there at the breakfast table, and I open it up, and I see this headline that says, in quotes, phonetically spelled out, what's this here human itties? <laughs> and I'm reading this, it's just unbelievable. The lead was, the presidents of all four state universities were stunned Thursday morning by an onslaught from state Representative Vernon Wormer <laughs> demanding to know what's this here human itties? <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm sitting here just thinking of this scene of the president of all four state universities, the budget committee, this guy's sitting on that committee, he holds the power of life and death over their budget. And they're trembling beneath the steely gaze of State Representative Vernon Wormer. <laughs> and I thought to myself, yes. This, this is, this is, this is, this is America, man. Get used to it. And uh, so that's Indiana legislature. All right, I want to introduce the, the last short segment uh, by mentioning that one reason I decided to write this book is that I'm a little dismayed that Stan is being forgotten already, or is, in fact, was largely unknown to the rising generation of conservatives and millennials 
who these days are more attuned to, uh, what, Ben Shapiro or Charlie Kirk or so forth, because Stan Evans was in the middle of just about every conservative uh, movement uh, milestone from the beginnings of the Goldwater movement in the late 50s uh, through the Reagan years and so forth. And I thought that story needs to be kept alive, along with his enduring contributions between the hardcovers, his book on Joe McCarthy, his book on political thought, the theme is freedom, and several of his other uh, writings. And the last time I saw him was maybe 10 years ago, although we used to talk on the phone quite a bit. And we were seated together at dinner, and he started telling me the story about how he'd been called on the phone by Adam Clymer of the New York Times. <laughs> and you may remember Adam Clymer is the reporter at the Times that George W. Bush, in front of a hot mic that he didn't realize was on, said to Dick Cheney, oh, there's that asshole from the New York Times, Adam Clymer. And Dick Cheney said, big time. And so it turned out that Clymer had called Stan because Clymer was preparing Stan's obituary. <laughs> and we got a good laugh about all of that, including Stan told me, Clymer asked him, well, who are some of your prominent alumni of your journalism apprenticeships? And Stan ran through a bunch of people and kindly mentioned me. Whereupon there's a pause on the phone and Clymer says about me, isn't he a neocon? <laughs> and we got a great laugh about all of that. In any event, the other thing about Stan was uh, he was definitely low-tech. He used to joke that his uh, video equipment was Betamax. And it is true that he never did use a computer and didn't have email. Uh, he liked to say that uh, my typewriter never eats my copy. And he tells some of those stories and a bit about uh, being uh, uh, sitting still for an interview about his obituary. And then I'll be back with a couple of very brief concluding comments. I am a low tech person without computer skills. And Ken had someone from his office call me about two weeks ago to get my email address. I said, I don't have an email address. However, I do have something called assistant email for the elderly. <laughs> and this is an earmark that I got Trent Lott but put into an appropriations bill. Nobody read the bill, of course, so it went right through. So I now have a federally funded email assistant to handle uh, these matters. Now, also, Ed remarked when Lee was giving an introduction of uh, Ed, and then I've had the same thoughts when you're introducing me. It's kind of like listening to, you know, your, uh, your eulogy and. Uh, Remind me, I got a call about two weeks ago from Adam Clymer of the New York Times. And he called me out. He said, he said, now let me get this straight. He said, you're in your 70s and you've had a heart attack. I said, that's correct. He said, I'm writing your obituary. <laughs> and so, this is the truth. And for those of us in the newspaper business, he, he, he knew that I would understand that you do this in the newspaper business. You write these obits in advance for people that are at high risk of kicking off, so you'll be ready to go. So, uh, but I thought that was kind, of, it was kind of chilling to think someone is writing my obituary, much less somebody at the New York Times, and, you know, God forbid. But anyway, um, I, um, I'm still here. Still above the grass, as I like to say, not under it. 
Well, there you have it. And of course, it's my hope that my modest little biography of Stan will help keep his memory above the grass and alive for a generation or more to come. It'll be out hopefully next fall from Encounter Books. I hope you'll all buy it. I will be back uh, when it does come out with uh, maybe another podcast with some of Stan's greatest hits because there's lots more material, both serious and comical, that uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing with people, both in print and again in podcast form. So that's it for this uh, special edition. I'll be back over the weekend with Lucretia to break down this miserable scene for the week. But for now, I'm going to send you out with Stan Evans's favorite Elvis tune, which was Suspicious Minds. He not only liked the tune, but he loved the title because it went with his deep abiding interest in espionage. So with that, don't forget to milk the trough dividend. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out Because I love you too much, baby Why can't you see What you're doing to me When you don't believe a word I say Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you don't believe a word I say Ricochet. Join the conversation.